Welcome to No Rain Date, a community podcast about local news and people. No Rain Date is a production of Saucon Source LLC. For more local news and information, please visit SaucinSource.com. Hello and welcome to episode 11 of No Rain Date, the podcast for Sock and Source. My name is Josh Popachek. I'm the publisher of Sock and Source, and these are the headlines Sock and Valley is talking about for the week ending February 6th, 2020. On Monday, there was a big surprise at the Hellertown Borough Council meeting when Mayor David Heintzelman successfully vetoed a controversial rezoning amendment that Borough Council approved by a vote of 5-1 to one in late January. If you'll recall, this rezoning was for a piece of land at 1527 Easton Road, which is on the border between Hellertown and Lower Saucon. Council had voted to rezone it from R1 to R2, which means essentially that higher density housing could be built on the land in the future. The representatives for the current owners had said that they have no plans to develop the land at this time. However, many neighbors especially were skeptical of that, and following the January 21st meeting, they began a petition to oppose the rezoning and to try and get it reversed. That petition ultimately received nearly 500 signatures The family that started the petition, the O'Briens, again spoke vocally against the rezoning at Monday's council meeting. James O'Brien asked Mayor David Heinzelman to veto the ordinance, which by law he has to sign if it's to take effect, and essentially that's what the mayor did. Council then tried to override the veto, but that override failed, which means that the current or original zoning of R1 is what is now in effect for that property. Now, the O'Briens and other opponents of the rezoning said they don't expect the issue to end there. Uh, Very well could become a legal matter. We will, of course, continue to follow this as a developing story, which affects many families in the area. In other news, out of Fountain Hill, there was a big surprise. The new zoning officer, Tom Wargo has been busy investigating the number of rental units in the borough. It was believed that there were something like 350, but through his work, which began at the beginning of this year, Wargo has discovered about 700 more rental units than there were believed to be. So that's more than 1,000 rental units in a borough that's only about 0.7 square miles and has about 5,000 residents, according to the 2010 census anyway. That's a lot of rental units. To add insult to injury, the borough discovered that fees that were to have been collected on those rental properties dating back to the year 2000 had not been collected. So It's kind of a double whammy for Fountain Hill, but the good news is that they have a plan for going forward and the revenue will begin flowing at this point anyway. In Lower Saucon Township, there's been news about the Meadows Road Bridge, which has been closed since April of 2018. A group called Pennsylvania at Risk placed the bridge on its 2020 list of most endangered properties in the state. What does that mean? It means more attention for the bridge, which is owned by Northampton County. 
Meadows Road Bridge was built in 1858 and is one of the oldest bridges in the area. It's a stone arch bridge across the Saucon Creek, and it's just south of Hellertown Borough, slightly west of Route 412, sort of behind the giant shopping center, uh, if you're familiar with where that is on uh, Route 412. The bridge was closed after an inspection discovered that it was structurally deficient. It's sort of been in limbo ever since then as the county tries to decide whether it should be rehabilitated or rebuilt. Lower Saucon officials have said they favor preserving the bridge. However, there's also a divide among members of the public about what should be done, with some members saying that the bridge is not practical in this day and age. It's a one-lane bridge, and uh, there are also other issues related to it. So that's a story that is far from over. Regardless of what happens, the bridge won't be open anytime soon. In fact, in a letter to the editor today published on Lehigh Valley Live, it was indicated that the county does not have plans to replace that bridge until 2029 although there are some efforts underway to hopefully speed up that process. So we're in it for the long haul in terms of covering the Meadows Road Bridge story. Animal lovers are no doubt excited that the Westminster Dog Show is coming up, and we were excited to report a local connection with that. Lower Saucon resident John Landis will be a judge at this year's show, which is in New York City. It will be covered live um, between February 9th and February 11th. So tune in online. There will also be television coverage of it. Landis has been a dog breeder and judge for decades. Uh, However, this is his first appearance at Westminster, and we wish him good luck. In the Saucon Valley School District, there's still a controversy about whether the schools need a resource officer to bolster student and staff safety. Parent Jennifer Schmel, as well as other parents who support the idea of hiring a school resource officer, spoke at length at the last school board meeting, and we reported on that on Saucon Source. The board did not publicly respond to the request for a resource officer. However, Superintendent Craig Butler shared his thoughts about that and said he will be discussing the matter with his administrative team and coming back to share information about it at a future meeting. You can bet that Schmel and her colleagues will be at those meetings. She's vowed to continue to put pressure on the board until a resource officer is hired. So that's another story we'll be following. In weather news, it's been very mild. However, surprisingly, there's a chance for freezing rain to occur, as well as some additional winter weather Later this week, Tony from Lehigh Valley Weather Authority has been keeping close tabs on the forecast, and we'll turn it over to him now. Take it away, Tony. Hey, everyone. Tony here from LVWA with your exclusive five-day outlook for Salk and Source's No Rain Date podcast. For today, periods of drizzle under cloudy skies High temperature this morning of 40 degrees, and that will continue to drop throughout the day, down to about freezing, I think, by about 4 o'clock this afternoon. Going down to 30 degrees tonight, which sets the stage for a little bit of freezing rain and sleet to move in here, I think between the hours of midnight and 4, 5, 6 a.m. Thursday morning. So there could be a few slick spots out there. However, With the the warm temperatures leading into this event, 
I don't expect many road surfaces to become slippery. As you head way up into the Poconos, the higher elevations of Carbon Monroe County, uh, that's where you're going to deal with a little bit of the slippery conditions. So overall, I don't think a huge deal here in the valley, but definitely be aware of that if you are headed out Thursday morning. Thursday remains cloudy after that ice, with some rain moving in Thursday evening, and it will become heavy at times into very early Friday morning. Now Thursday's high temperature is 44 degrees, going down to 40 Thursday night, so won't be any um, frozen precipitation, you know, at the later part of Thursday and into Friday. However, Friday, the rain will be out of here first thing in the morning and then have the potential to switch to some snow showers or even a period of light snow by Friday afternoon. Friday's high temperature of 38 degrees going down to 18 Friday night. Saturday colder, high of 34, periods of sun and clouds, low of 26 Saturday night. Uh, we do have a small weak storm system moving in Saturday night and into Sunday morning. Could bring few inches of snow with it i'm not super enthused about anything you know this winter so far but it does have a little bit of potential to bring a little bit of snow so sunday's high temperature 36 with that am snow so stay tuned definitely a, a wet week here you know one to two inches of rain then a little bit of snow by the weekend maybe one to two inches of snow if i had to throw a number out there for saturday night and into sunday but overall winter has yet to show its face and the window of opportunity is going to start coming to a close here and not much longer here, I think. You know, I talked about it, you know, last week, two weeks ago, that article, you know, just this winter just not been a snow lover's dream. This has been a very miserable and long-winded, drug-out winter with just no snow, no cold. You know, for, for some of the construction trades, it's been good because they've been able to work all winter. But, you know, like I said, the, the ski resorts, the snow plowing business definitely are suffering this year. So hopefully we can salvage something here maybe for the second half of February and into March. But that has yet to show itself. So that's all I got for you. Have a wonderful week. Stay tuned uh, for any updates here over the next couple days uh, in regards to that freezing rain Thursday morning and that little bit of snow Saturday night. So check me out, LVWA on Facebook, Instagram, and on the internet at lvwaweather.com. Thank you and have a wonderful week. I'd like to uh, welcome two special guests to No Rain Date this week. We have Kelly Bauer, Executive Director for the Center for Animal Health and Welfare and Jessica Schwickrath, who is uh, owner of A Furry Tale Come True, Doggy Day Cares. We have the original location here in Hellertown. They also have a location in Nazareth, and you have a location in Windgap. We're big fans of you guys here at Talk and Source. Furry Tale has been our sponsor of Pets in Need of Homes, which highlights a different animal from the center each week. That's a great way to encourage pet adoption. So. Um, hope everybody's reading that. I, I wanted to, to start off by kind of asking you each to describe how you got involved in, in helping animals, you know, when you knew you wanted to do that and, and what led you to, to where you are now. So Kelly, do you want to start off with that? Sure. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I like to talk about animals all day and all night, so <laughs> this is good. Um, my first real memory was 
when I was, I think I was like 12, and there was a stray cat outside that lived outside of our house. And it just tore me up that this cat did not have a place to live. And my mom wouldn't let me ring it in the house. So I was babysitting at the time, like that, that was my income source. And I went to Home Depot and bought supplies and made an outdoor cat house. And like legitimately put my all into it. Like I, I even lined it with newspaper, like, like tacked newspaper and then made like a wall so that the walls were insulated. I mean, this was like a full on um, amazing house. And the only thing I'm pretty sure that lived in it was a skunk. <laughs> I don't think the cat actually went inside, but that's like my first real memory. I mean, we always had animals growing up, but I was never like a crazy animal person. I just wanted to help. Like that was kind of my thing. Like I just wanted solutions for things. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't really start getting into it until later in life. I adopted my first dog not that long ago, seven years ago. And just kind of it grew from there and at the time prior to becoming the director i was actually working in politics and just you know loved animals supported the the cause but never really dove in and the the opportunity for the shelter came up and i was like you know what i should do something that means something mm -hmm. and then it became you know i became the crazy person um and just you know with my seven dogs now at home and and working on everything i possibly can to improve animal welfare and that's kind of where it went and I just get a little crazier every day. <laughs> well, that makes a lot of sense, actually, because then you had the administrative experience to bring with you to the to the care of these animals. And I honestly think the difference for me was, and what I was able to do was, bring the side of it that people don't necessarily think of when they think of a shelter director, which is the marketing, the public relations, the business side of it, because as much as we all love animals and as much as we want to help them get a home, if you don't have a solid business structure in your nonprofit, you can quickly just become a place where people love animals, but you know, you don't have that long-standing sort of, of model that, that you need to have. And I think that was what I felt like I could bring to the organization was able, you know, giving it, you know, a, a clear message, making sure that we're reaching out to the people that matter, making sure we're bringing education to the table, those type of things. And I think that's where we've been able to be successful in the last four years, almost four years. I, I would absolutely agree with that. I mean, I, I've supported it since be, uh, since before then, but I don't know who the director was before then because you are more visible. Um, you're very hands-on. I see you, you know... Everywhere. I was going to say, I don't know. Some people would agree that's a good thing. I'm sure there's others who don't think so. But How many people say, I know you. Oh, wait, you're on that show. Yeah. That coffee talk. Well, yeah. and look at the interaction the other day on Facebook where uh, it came up about bingo. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you calling the numbers. Yeah. And, and, I mean, that's really cool. You know, that's a great way to promote the shelter and, you know, meet people and... I think it's important, especially with a nonprofit organization, that you do put a face with the organization because people are giving their money to you, hoping you're going to do the best with it and hoping you're going to put it where it's supposed to be. But I think having that recognition of who's actually running the shelter and seeing what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. Like like just said, I run into people at Walmart who are like, hey, I watch you on Poffee Talk. For those of you who don't know, 10 a.m. live on Facebook. Um, you know, people enjoy it. They they like that interaction. They, they like knowing me as a person and feeling they're connected because they hope then that the person that they know will put their dollars to good use. And I think, I do think that's important. Absolutely, yeah. I just discovered 
Poffy Talk. Yeah. And I like that a lot too. So definitely check that out. That's on Facebook. It's on Facebook. We're at CAHW1. It's live at 10 a.m. And we always, the night before, we always post, um, you know, people can bring up topics they want to discuss. It's a really interesting forum. We call it, you know, the good, bad, and hilarious because we, <laughs> we kind of cover lots of topics. We're very honest um, for those who know me. Um, I don't have much of a filter. Um, so it is, you know, it, it allows us to have real dialogue. It allows us to really talk about the things that people are talking about, not just like what the pretty picture looks like. Right. So Jessica, let's let's switch over to you for a bit and, and take us back to 2005, 2006. 2006 is when we first opened uh, in Hellertown, the very first A Fairy Tale Come True. That I kind of just crossed my fingers and and hoped that it worked because back then uh, doggy daycares were not very popular. I had graduated from college two years prior uh, with a degree in elementary education. As I started to substitute teach more and more, I would realize that really I, I started realizing that wasn't really what I wanted to do with my life. And at the same time, I was. Uh, volunteering, couldn't think of the word, volunteering <laughs> at the Center for Animal Health and Welfare and fell in love with it and asked how I got a job there right out of college. And my mom uh, kind of had a fit, told me, you know, you're going to work for $7 an hour. Just I just, I, I needed it. Like I had to do that. I was there for probably about two years. The director at the time was Bar Block. And although Kelly is my favorite of all time directors and is amazing, Barb really, um, played a big role in my successful career that I have now. Uh, she basically told me when I told her my dream of having a, a dog daycare, she said, work here, work at the shelter for two years. You will learn more than you can ever wish for to one day open up your doggy daycare. And she probably thought I was, you know, who really opens up a doggy daycare when they say they're going to at 25 years old. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we did. Anthony and I did. And uh, I learned at the shelter from... Uh, you know, dogs in play groups, uh, helping with spay neuter, just uh, got my hands in everything and learned pretty right. much everything you can learn about dogs. Would def- definitely helped me in my path, and I, I can't even believe that that was that long ago. Uh, but it's about thirteen years now. So, and here we are with three facilities. Right. Yeah, I know. At that time, that was a new concept to me: doggy daycare and and. I had my little, I think back, I had my little, um, I had to put a sign, a coming soon sign. And we, we literally had no money back then because it was just Anthony working. We owned our own house and had nothing. So I remember going to Staples and getting a, a poster board and little sticks to put the coming soon sign. And, and I got um, stencils, the little letter stencils and coming soon, a furry tale come true, doggy daycare. And I remember the talk around town, people were like, really? Like, is that going to work? Like, who's really going to? And... Uh, at this point in Hellertown, we average probably in the busier season, so I'd say maybe 40 to 70 dogs a day. Different groups, don't mm-hmm. freak out, but we have different uh, different groups we have everybody in, but it worked. So, yeah, it's, it's clearly not a fad. Yes. I mean, no. almost and 15 years later. Bunch, there, were, there was a couple open at the time, a couple great ones. Puppy Palace in Bethlehem, they were open, I think, a year before me. And they're an amazing daycare. Um, I want to say maybe leader of the pack was around, but not not like there is now. There's a mm-hmm. there's a lot in the valley now, but we're people still are only good. working more longer hours, traveling further. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine you know your your uh, number of clients is only going to grow. 
We do, we do pretty well. Daycare is busier uh, in the winter, believe it or not, I guess because people, you know, to get out and get their dogs exercise and running in the wintertime is a little bit more difficult. So we definitely do more daycare numbers um, in the wintertime. In the summertime, it's more boarding numbers with people going away. It gets a little insane, especially in, in our Nazareth location. Nazareth is double the size of Hellertown, so mm-hmm. uh, we're able to hold a lot more, but it's definitely the more challenging location at this point. Right. And then uh, our Wind Gap location is uh, strictly the uh, training center so anthony runs that with with the other trainers i think we're up to six other trainers now that he works up there with hmm. and we not only take dogs paying dogs who need training but we also work with the center from Hotham welfare pibbles paws rescue brindle buddies rescue and we uh, try to help them as much as we can by taking the more difficult dogs doing some training with them and then getting them adopted it takes a little while sometimes, but we do that up there too. So we currently have three dogs in their care for yes. boarding trains that awesome. were dogs that were going to be euthanized at other facilities. We pulled them to make sure that they were able to live, and then they stepped up to help us get them trained to get them adoptable. Yeah, no, that's that's fantastic, and and that business is called AFT Dog AFT Training. AFT Dog Training. Yep. So believe it or not, it's a little hard for a lot of people, and they question me constantly. Why did Anthony name it AFT Dog Training? <laughs> because the answer is AFT is short and for a furry tail. AFT. So that is why it was no That's crazy. method to the madness, no kind of wow. Genius thinking. My own, just the acronym. This is very embarrassing. My own mother asked me that probably about a year after we had AFT Dog. Because AFT Dog Training is a little bit... Um, Anthony's had his training certification since we first opened in Hellertown, but we probably... Maybe about three years now I've been doing AFT dog training. First it was at Nazareth, and now we just bought the facility in Wingap. Wingap is about 11 acres. Anthony's crazy. He fenced it all in, but... Um, wow. Yeah, so... But you got to get up there and see that it's, someday. It's beautiful. It's amazing. We have a really good time up there um, with the dogs. They do daycare there as well, but it's a more structured daycare, maybe up to 10 dogs at a time, and that's for dogs who can't do... The craziness of regular doggy daycare um, right. the stimulation with all the, that dog. Sometimes dogs will do better in a smaller groups, and they can go up to and get. They only do it on Wednesdays for now, but they're pretty much at capacity. We're probably going to be opening up a second day of the week soon to do daycare up there too. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic that that you're growing like that, and um, and I'm you know I'm proud that I've been here. You know, basically You've the entire you, time. You used to bring. Uh, Molly Katz. Yes. Daycare. That's how I first met Josh. Yes. Molly Katz, well, we pet sitting her. Yes. For Joel, right? Mm-hmm. And you would bring her to daycare a couple times yeah. a week. Yeah, the golden doodle. Yeah. And um, yeah, you always post great pictures too, especially I think of, I don't know, I think of the pool, you know. The one that went viral. Yes. That was one awesome. that went viral. Which one was that? That was so cool. Um, it, was it, was, a, it was a pool one, wasn't it? It was a pool one, but it was a smaller pool. Wasn't it? We have the big pool in Nazareth, and then we have, um, it's really just a, a horse trough. Mm-hmm. which is a smaller pool, but it's still, I don't know, it's like a horse trough. It's pretty big. We have one of those in Hellertown and in Nazareth. But this particular post was taken by one of my wonderful employees, Jordan. She takes all the pictures in Nazareth. She's amazing. She doesn't realize how amazing she is. Um, but she took this one, and all the dogs are, like, in the pool. The one's, like, on the step, and they're they're kind of just posing, and it's it's weird. Actually, the comments on it when it went viral, people are like, Photoshop, Photoshop, but it was not Photoshopped whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It was just the picture of... Um, 
it had to have been at least 20 dogs yeah. just chilling in the yeah. pool. Just and hanging out. It, there were millions of shares. Yeah. I mean, it was like it was exciting. Insane. And I'm like, Jordan, from now on, when you post cool pictures like that, you have to put a furry tail come true on it. Like, nobody's going to know it was my daycare. Yeah. That to happened it. to me at the end of last year. <laughs> like, only it was like a dumb meme that I made. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. yeah. At, at least it wasn't like, you know, a business related post. But yeah, but yeah exactly. Yeah. Watermarking is it's a, a good exciting. thing. <laughs> yes. And I try. I try to do it again we had this video of the big pool in nazareth which is literally about what, four foot deep it, it's one of those dock diving pools a little bit shorter but the the dogs are all up on the ramp probably a good like 30 40 dogs all up on the ramp and this one dog just decides to run and jump over everybody else that was on that ramp and jump and and dive into the pool and I put something like uh, how to get ahead in life or something and I put a furry tail come true and it didn't go viral. <laughs> I thought it was so cool. I'm like, this is the best video ever. And I tried to do it and it, it didn't work. But okay. There's that, that little bit of magic that has to mm-hmm. be there. And, yeah. and, and then the right person has to repost it. So it what, goes, the yeah. guy put... Um, this dog, this doggy daycare is lit or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, and it was he had I don't even know how many followers. I don't remember what page it was, but Jordan was she was super excited. She'll never admit it, but she was super excited because it was her picture. Yeah. Well, if that happens again, we're definitely doing a story about okay. it. I want the exclusive. Thank you. Yes, definitely. <laughs> You're the first person I'll call. So let's go back to the center for for a little bit. I wanted to just run down a few facts, like how many you know. Roughly, how many animals do you care for at one time per year? How do you sort of quantify that? And what's your capacity? And 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 what are some of the challenges of helping that many animals at once? Well, when I first came uh, into the shelter, the one thing that I had noticed initially is that we had a lot of animals, and in my opinion, too many. So I did something called a capacity for care study, and I looked at is are animals who are being adopted out do the numbers affect the adoptions? Meaning, more animals, more adoptions. And what I found was no. Um, Because when you have more animals, when you have too many animals, you run into socialization issues, you run into um, health issues, you run into a lot of things you wouldn't think of. Um, So we did this model based on capacity for care, meaning we took the time it takes to care for an animal properly and divided the amount of staff we had, the amount of time we could you know, spend, and that's how we kind of developed the model of how many animals. So right now, yearly, we take in about seven to 800 animals. We adopt out that many. We actually have, we basically, this year, last year, actually 2019, we actually exceeded that, which meant we got a lot of our long-term animals out. So we actually had higher than the amount that we took in. Um, And we found that our numbers stayed consistent, if not better, than when we had a lot of animals. There were times that the shelter took in 1,500, 1,600 animals in a year. I used to work there at that point. We were only adopting out about 800 or 900. So we realized that it doesn't work. When you pack a shelter full of animals, there is inevitably issues you're going to run into um, not even factoring in, you know, the employees and the turnover rate. I mean, that was one of the things we noticed. We are much more successful now with keeping, you know, employees because we're not asking them to essentially kill themselves to, to have the same outcome. Right. Um, so we, we take in uh, roughly 700 or so. Our goal for this year is 850. We think we can attain it successfully and responsibly. Right now, in-house we have about 100 cats and 32 dogs 
at any given time, including fosters. Um, we can have up to 150, 160 cats, 60 dogs or so. So we try to make sure that we're keeping it at numbers that are not only good for the animals, but also for the staff, because it's important, you know, when you work in a field that is so emotionally driven, both high and low, it becomes exhausting. So you have to really balance that out as well. So, and if the, the staff is exhausted, they're not going to be able to give the care to the animals the way they should. So we really took an, an approach about capacity for care that I think has helped us really not only increase our adoptions, but make sure that everybody's kind of happy and healthy. Yeah, no, that's that's great to hear that. I mean, how does how does that work then in one of these situations? And I know you've had some where there is an animal hoarding situation, maybe a hundred cats. Yeah. Like you obviously can't probably take them all, do they get div- divided up among different shelters? So or? in a case like that, the PASPCA goes out and they're sort of the, the statewide uh, emergency and crisis response. So what they'll do is call us and say, how many can you take? Um, so luckily we don't deal with necessarily the logistics of that. We come in and help. And I think that sometimes is people are confused by what we do. And I think it's important for people to understand that we're what you would call a managed admission shelter. So we don't get any funding. We don't get any, like there's no magical uh, money fairy anywhere. So we rely solely on donations, most being individual donations. So we have to be careful with, you know, the process and how that works. So we take animals that are, we're able to obviously house safely and, and, you know, responsibly. And that does limit, you know, how many we can take in and who we can help. You know, I get a lot of calls of people very angry with me because I won't take their, you know, seven you know, 20 year old cats, like, but, but we have to, you know, it happens. Trust me. I could, I could literally say anything to you and it's happened. You, I'm, or you could say anything to me. Like you could throw the most outrageous thing to me and I'll go, yeah, that happened two and a half years ago. You know, it, it, it there's just there a lot of people out there that don't take pet ownership responsible, uh, you know, as a responsibility. But so as a managed admission shelter, we, we work within our, you know, capacity and what we can do so in a case of a hoarding we have taken actually not that long ago we probably just took in 12 cats um we've taken up to 20 cats if we have room and we can make it happen we do if we have fosters it makes it even easier to do that but yeah we unfortunately have to say no sometimes and we do what we can but ultimately uh, we save as many lives as we can right and I prob I mean probably I'm guessing like maybe some of those people's attitudes come from the fact that years ago there weren't as many rules. No, you could just drop your thing. You right. had to they, you right. had to take it back in the day, right? So the original SPCA, it was the Northampton County SPCA, over a hundred years old. And up until two thousand three, it was what we call an open admission, which means yes, we'll take anybody. But the problem met that then you you euthanize for space. Mm-hmm. So while people don't want you to euthanize for space, they also still want you to follow the model that you used to, which was take any animal. So it has been you <laughs> mission know, impossible, right? It really is impossible. right. And so what we work to do is is not only educate the public about what we actually do, um, but we work for ways, you know, work towards ways of how we can help without actually taking the animal. So we'll. You know, if it's a training issue, we'll suggest training. If it's, you know, a resource issue, if they're, you know, if they're having problems financially, we try to help that way. So we try to help actually keep the animals in the home when we can. Uh, We take them when we can. And sometimes, unfortunately, we have to say no. So, yeah, there is definitely the public perception that you're a shelter. You should take my animal. No questions asked. 
Um, and we one, just need more shelters. Or we need more responsible human beings. <laughs> right, and how so do we get to that? Shelters yeah. are uh, more well, and I think one of, on the horizon. Well, I think one of the issues is, is spay-neuter. It's one of the things that we've really put a focus on about overpopulation. There are more animals than there are people. And so when people keep overpopulating and there's nowhere for them to go, whether they be strays or whatever, that's what happens. And there are a lot of families that actually own animals, multiple animals, and there's still too many. Like, it just... It, there is never going to be enough space to save every animal. And it's it's an argument that I have gotten into so many times with people about, you know, well, what do you expect to happen? Like, what's going to happen to this animal? And the problem is bigger than the current solution that we have. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Even if we built 100 shelters, there's always going to be more need, and we're going to go, well, now we need 101. We need 102. Mm -hmm. So to me, the focus shouldn't be so much on how many animals can we take. How do we help in other ways? How do we solve the overpopulation issue? How do we help people with their resources? How do we make it you know, a community issue that we can help as opposed to just, I just want to drop my animal? Yeah. No, I, I mean, I absolutely agree. I mean, this maybe this example doesn't exactly relate, but I know like, in Hellertown, they have the trap neuter release program, which was instituted with no nonsense neutering maybe six or seven years ago. And um, like they had all these feral cat colonies at that time throughout the borough. And, and because of that program, I think last year they said they were like three feral cats or something. You know, yeah. I mean, like yeah. it's been a huge success. Even up at the daycare, up at my daycare, they would drive the dogs crazy. It yeah. was really good cat. Right, because there was one behind we, McDonald's. We did the, the trap nerd release and I, I got a lot of the kittens. That mama cat, she was smart, man. She yeah. was yeah. smart, and she just yeah. wanted to keep having kittens. Yeah, she and they do. They let us do help her. so quickly. Yes. I don't have the exact number, but it's in a lifetime, a, a cat and its offspring. So we're not just talking about one cat, but a, a female cat and her offspring in their lifetime. So think about all that. 40,000 kittens. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Mm. So imagine you spay one. Yeah. You've just eliminated 40,000 in, in the lifetimes of those other animals. So think about it. So a mama cat has 10 babies. Those 10 babies have 10 babies. Those 10 babies have to, I mean, it's like a pyramid. Scene. I think I've seen like a video <laughs> that, 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 doc, that sort of like shows you that and yeah. it's crazy. And you don't think about it, but that is why TNR is so important. And, you know, people don't, they think, oh, we need to bring these animals in. First of all, News alert, most feral cats want to remain exactly where they're at. And we understand people don't want them to be cold or hungry, and, and we want to have solutions for that. But, you know, right. the best thing that we can do is spay or neuter them and keep them from continuing to have babies because that's where the problem lies. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, the, the, the cost of the TNR program is minuscule compared to what you know, you get from it. We do it at the shelter. We have low cost spay neuter. And if you actually bring a cat in a trap, not your own cat, but like just a, a community cat, we only charge $40. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, it's, it's not. And we give them a rabies vaccine as well. Mm -hmm. So it's really not expensive. And I know a lot of people say, well, why is it my problem? Well, when cats are eating your birds and, and, you know, tearing up your garbage and doing all those things, it is your problem. Yeah. <laughs> you might not think it is, but it will help your, you know, help your life out. I tell people all the time that, you know, even not feeding them, they're going to find food. You know, they're going to find, you know, people say don't feed the feral cats. 
Either way, they're gonna find food, whether it's in a bowl outside your house or the birds that you like to watch from your window um, or the garbage in your garbage can. I feed you know? them so I can get their trust and trap them. Yeah. <laughs> Fix them. It's like my joy. It's a good my, strategy. Yeah, yeah. I do. I, um, my food goes behind me. I have a couple in my in my neighborhood, so now that I know that, maybe we can maybe we can. I've trapped my house. Just and we are always. I'm always trying to apply for grants that would would even relieve that cost even more. We're always working on ways to to help offset because I understand if it's not your animal, it's it's difficult, especially you know if you can't afford it. if you can't afford it to begin with, it, it's difficult. So we're always looking for ways that we can kind of help that along. Um, so uh, you know we apply for grants when we can just to to make it easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're working on some other, you know, solutions, hopefully. But I, I get it. You know, 40 bucks can be a lot if it's not your cat. <laughs> but right. it really does. I mean, it really is a community issue. And, you know, every little person can make a difference. Make and, it your random act of kindness yeah, or, yeah. you know, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Or I always say to people, you know, offer it to somebody else. If you know somebody's got a, a problem with cats and they can't afford it, just make the, the suggestion that you'd be willing to help. And that will change something. I've already done that. My neighbors a couple down, they insist on leaving their cat outside. So I went and got her spayed because there's going to be babies. Right. And no, not my cat, not my problem necessarily. But, I mean, you know. I just did it with one of my employees a couple months ago. Every time she posted, no, more kittens. Does anybody want a cat? I'm like, listen, give me that mama cat. Yeah. Give me them kittens before you give them to anybody. We're going we're gonna to solve this right here. And she did. And I, I paid to do it because I'm just, I can't. Like, it's right under my nose. Yeah. It had to be. Yeah, and I I love cats and kittens myself, but yeah, when you see that, it does it does kind of bother you. Yeah, that's like the people that say, you know, I just want my dog to have one litter, just so I can, you know. But no, you want there are plenty of dogs out there, mama dogs that you can trust me. I do mama puppy, baby fostering all the time. You can too. It'll be fun. Let me know, and I will find you a pregnant mama, and you can foster it, and you can. (laughs) You can help us find all the little babies' homes. Like, your dog does not need to have Or you also hear, I don't want to uh, compromise his manhood. Yes. Oh, oh God. I hear that. I hear that all the you. time. And you know what the interesting part about that is? It is proven that a dog will be less aggressive yes. when they're neutered. So a lot of the problems that people will run into in the two, three, four-year-old stage that they could have been solved by by a neuter. And even with female dogs, I mean, there's so many medical issues that come about if you don't spay or neuter. It really is, I mean, besides a population thing, it's really a health thing. Right. There are even a lot of people out there, it is. A, it could become a health thing. They, It's not that they even want to breed their dog. They just don't want to, they don't want to fix the dog. I have that all the time they come, because they have to yeah. be spayed or neutered as of nine months to come to our daycares. I even had a guy once tell me, as I was nine months pregnant with my daughter, well, what do you mean I have to get him fixed to come here? Are you going to get fixed? <laughs> and then I, I took that for like a second and I could have either been funny or I could have gotten mad. And I just said to him, actually, yeah, I think I am after this one. This is, I'm, I'm done. Like, we're, we're going to go. And he actually got his dog neutered and, and his dog still comes to us. So, yeah. Wow. I like to think I make a difference in that way. But, and I also say, and I'm sorry if this is TMI. I don't think it is, but I'm going to say it anyway. Imagine being... A male dog and you're not allowed to mate with a female dog you just have to not be neutered but to have that urge all the time and like they literally those poor male dogs get like when they're in the play yard right before they get neutered if they're like I don't know six seven eight months we say they have to be not they can't help themselves 
tongue on the ground, like they're like sixteen year old high school yes. boys. Yes, and 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 yeah. it's like if if you can help them, help that like take that urge away from them. It's just sad. I feel terrible for the dogs. You know? Right. Like, well, maybe do a video of that, and that'll go viral. Yeah, like, look at them. Just look. <laughs> that's actually a genius yeah, that's idea. A good one. Yeah. Yeah. Will you promote that video if I do it? Yes, definitely, because it's a PSA. Absolutely. So. <laughs> so this is why really he's staying idea. new to yes, me. I love it. I look, do. At it. look at him. Uh, does he look happy? He's not happy right he's now. Embarrassing we, he's embarrassing. He's <laughs> embarrassing. Like, he's got the red rocket out, and he just is... He just, <laughs> it needs to stop. Staying new to your pet. <laughs> yes. Well, you, you mentioned that's one of the rules for bringing your dog to... A fairy tale come true. What are some of the the other rules? Because I know you're a cage free facility, so I'm sure that plays a role in, yes. in having these rules. So they have to um, have an evaluation. <clears throat> All dogs before they're able to come and play, whether it be for boarding or for daycare at the Hallertown or Nazareth facility, they have to be spayed or neutered if they're under over nine months of age. They have to be up to date on their rabies, their parvo distemper, and their bordetella shots. And they have to get along with other dogs. So we have this evaluation. They come in. Dogs over six months. It's a two-hour evaluation. Do a little different at, at both facilities. But in Nazareth, in the bigger facility, two-hour evaluation. They come in. Um, and we slowly introduce them to different types of dogs. More dominant dogs, female dogs, male dogs, more playful dogs. And we just make sure they get along with everybody. And then they go into the pack. And um, it's sink or swim. They have, to, uh, they have to do well. And if they do well, they can come back. Um, but it's kind of always... Uh, Sometimes it's a honeymoon phase, mm-hmm. and they they do well, and then all of a sudden they don't. So we do behavioral reports just to let their parents know at the end of the day, like, this is what's going on before we have to say they can't come back anymore. Because we have to keep it safe for everybody. I mean, they're not right. it's not an environment for all dogs. I have seven dogs as well. Kelly and I both have seven dogs. I don't know why we both have seven. It's just weird. <laughs> but we do. And out of my seven, two of them cannot go to daycare. One of them, the it's just too much anxiety for him. He goes in and he gets, he used to do well. But he's a very <clears throat> anxious kind of semi-feral dog to begin with. And uh, just one day he decided not to do well. So he can't come back. And the other one, he's my, my three-legged boy. He only has three legs, uh, one in the front, two in the back. And he's he gets knocked over a lot and he gets he gets angry. So, so see, if your dog yeah. gets isn't allowed to come to daycare, don't feel bad. Her own dog right. can't right. come to her. They got kicked my out of her daycare. Yeah, pack, so don't feel bad. When we opened Hellertown, there's no way, shape, or form that the three of them would ever be able to come to daycare. Mm-hmm. But because I ha- we had a pack like that, I can't tell you how much Anthony and I learned um, about dog behavior. Like, daycare is a cakewalk compared to what these three fools used to get into fights all the time. And just, we learned a lot. He learned a lot with the training for that. And he was always good at it. So that's why he's very successful now. It makes me proud. I am not a dog trainer by, by any means. I, I want nothing to do with it. I just want to watch dogs play all day. Right. So that's why I do the daycare. But he's always been... And his dad was the same way. Uh, they've always been great with, with dog training. Dogs seem to respond to them and yeah, it makes it work. It just seems like it's so much more important. Just even if you don't necessarily want your dog to be in daycare to socialize your dog these days because we have more dog parks. We have more mm-hmm. businesses that are dog friendly and like or the promenade shops or, you know, okay. and people want to have their dogs with them. But you have to, you know it's not magic you know you also have to know your dog yes yes i think that's important like i'm not a fan of of dog parks necessarily not because i don't think it's a good idea i think it's because owners don't know how to read their dog or they it's like the mom who thinks her kid's amazing but 
it's not. Like, <laughs> it's that. Like, my dog's the best dog. It's not going to do anything. That's where the problem comes. It's not necessarily the dog. And it's, even when it's, they're seeing it's not, they're not that yeah. great, they still, oh, well, what, he's just playing. No, he's not. Yeah. But but you can't expect people either to always know what they're, they're, they're not dog trainers. They're not yeah. dog professionals. Like, you know what I mean? It's just. I think so the worst I, is when you watch people just let their dog walk up to another dog like, on a leash. Like, just yeah. right and then they fight each other yeah. on a leash and then they're wondering why. But, yeah. I, I mean, not everybody can know everything. And people need to realize that, I don't know, if they're going to go into an environment like a dog park right. where it's off leash, you really should know a little something. Go watch YouTube videos on right. dog behavior. Yeah. You, you should, you know what I mean? You should it, know... I think the number one thing for me is a, a wagging tail. Like, everybody assumes a wagging tail is a happy dog. It depends on the wag. And it really depends on the wag. And it, it depends, a, especially for us at a shelter, a lot of time a wagging tail in a shelter is not a, a happy dog. Okay. Even just that, I mean, people see a wagging, like you walk up, I, I've had my dog who has a vest on that says, do not pet me, <laughs> with a, a leash that says, do not pet me. And people are like, but his tail's wagging. I'm like, you have no idea what's about to happen. You don't know what's like, going through his little mind like, right please now. please stop. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, even just something as simple as that, you see a wagging tail. If you don't know that that's not the wagging tail you're thinking of, you know, things can happen. So. And then my, I think I was telling you before we, we went on air that four of my dogs go and train with Anthony every day at the training center. He has them trained that he, they actually help evaluate the dogs who come in for training. It's. It's amazing, and, and Anthony can read the dog that's coming in better because of what my dogs are telling him about this dog. It's I, I've seen it over and over again. Like it's just dogs are amazing. I'm sorry, I know I'm a little biased, but they're they're amazing. They just still to this point blow my mind. They are, and yeah. and we certainly love love writing about them. And I wanted that that reminds me. I wanted to ask Kelly about the the puppy bowl, yes. which just happened, and yes. you had a dog. The center mm-hmm. had a dog on the puppy bowl, but you were in New York for the filming of that. What was that experience like? So we have been very lucky. My first year as the director, actually a month in, um, on a whim, I saw the puppy bowl application, and I was like, "I'm in. Let's do this. It's great for the shelter." So we had puppies at the time. I submitted them, and we got pet. I, I like. I'm telling you, submitting it, I didn't, I was just like, eh, whatever. Right. We got um, We have been lucky enough to be in, be accepted each year. We submit our, you know, the current puppies that we have, and we've been in now for three years. So we're very, very lucky. It's an amazing experience. Um, but yes, in October, you go up um, and do the actual taping. So for over like three days in New York, we have the dog that's picked, and we go up and we do taping. The second and third year, we were actually asked also to bring our cats. So we have kittens um, that participate as well. Funny enough, three years, every single one of our dogs just failed miserably. <laughs> our cats were amazing. <laughs> um, so in the puppy bowl, the cats were the stars. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a great experience. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know, right? Win for Josh. Yeah, so <laughs> it's a great experience. It's also an amazing platform. I mean, at what point does a small local shelter have the opportunity to be, you know, on a national television show that millions of people watch right um it was so funny because this year i was actually on camera they did on the pre-show they did um an interview with luna um in which they simulated her like answering it was hilarious (laughs) and there's like my face out of nowhere and it was so funny because i didn't even think about the gravity of that because somebody said do you realize like millions of people just saw you 
And I was like, yeah, I guess you're right. And just to have that platform for us to be able to share that and to be able to be part of that. And it builds a great network of people. I mean, the producers and everybody, they just, you know, it's, it, you kind of are part of this group that allows you to have such a broader reach. And it, I'm so grateful to be able to do it. And it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's crazy, mm-hmm. but it's a lot of fun. What you don't see and then watch it. Like if you're behind the scenes, it just changes the perspective of everything. This is done in a studio, like an actual small studio in New York in Times Square. So this is not some big open, like huge warehouse where they bring a hundred dogs in. No, they bring a hundred dogs into, you know, seven rooms. Hmm. Um, it's a lot of poop. It's a lot of poop. <laughs> there are these poor, I call them kids. They're probably not kids, but they're, they're like interns and entry level kind of at, at Animal Planet. That's their job all day is to clean Cooper poop, Scoopers. change pee pads, <laughs> provide water. Like, yeah. Um, but it's, it's incredible. We've actually adopted some of the animals that we've taken up there, the cats. We've adopted them to staff members and people that come in, you know, to, to watch the taping. So it's a really, really cool experience. I'm super grateful to, to have uh, be able to be part of it. They do a kiss cam and they send an email around saying, hey, if you have any pictures or, or videos of your animals kissing, you know, in quotations, send it. And my, my two were actually on the on the kiss cam last year, two of my dogs. Oh. Um, so it's it's just, it's a really cool experience. I'm super grateful and it's fun. It's a lot of fun. I was a little angry because I had um, my mommy dog, Winnie the Moo, and her puppies were up for the puppies to be chosen and they weren't chosen. And we they submitted were, them. They were the absolute <laughs> most beautiful puppies that ever existed and they yeah. still didn't get chosen. I was a little butthurt, but yeah. Aww. Yeah, we, we actually submitted two litters this year. It was the ones that Jess had, which were hound terrier mixes and then we had the cattle dog mixes and uh luna was obviously a cattle dog mix but i am partial i am partial to the pities but um that's why mine were the cutest yeah but they and it's funny because they i don't i can't even tell you the rhyme or reason to which they pick them they do ask for some background information but they're puppies so you can only give so much but you know, they have a formula that works and we just kind of, we submit, you know, we submit if we have puppies at the time we submit and, and they get to pick. So there are some rescues that bring multiple dogs. So they must have like the magic dogs. I don't know. Um, we've only ever been asked to bring one, but it's, it really is a great opportunity. But each year we've brought 10 to 12 cats and they mm. are the stars. I mean, I, I love the puppy bowl. I also have to like, you have to indulge me for a second here because I, oh, I have a strong association with the Super Bowl and adoption because I adopted my cat Romeo at one of your events mm-hmm. three years ago on Super Bowl Sunday. It was at the Petco yes. on 248. Kitten bowl. The kitten bowl, yes. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, I didn't know that. Yes. And you go into like this little enclosure with the, you know, grid on it the football field and he was the cat that came up to me and the kitten so um that was the third yesterday was the third anniversary of that Aww. so um gotcha. and actually a friend of mine was there too and adopted his cat that day too so something about super bowl and adoption <laughs> yeah. that is is really special it really is and I, so the puppy bowl's been around i think it's like 20 what was this no this was 16 i think Mm-hmm. Um, I, could I think be wrong. so. Yeah. I could be wrong. But I knew about it. I mean, I, I had watched it because I love, you know, watching puppies wrestle around. But I didn't realize, like, the it really is a thing. I mean, they go to, like, they actually go to Miami and tape when the ones, the winners, they go tape there. I mean, it's, it's this whole thing. People really love it. And 
I guess it's, it's something about football and animals. I don't know. <laughs> People love they're, it. They're both American, you know. And maybe that's what it is. It's sort of the Americana, like, you know. Yeah. Puppies and football. Got to start wrapping things up here, but quickly, I know, Kelly, that the center has fundraisers all throughout the year. You do have one coming up, right? Pins for Pets. Yes. Do you want to talk about that a little yes. bit? Yes. It is our largest fundraiser. It, last year, we raised just a little over 90000 It is the only time that we actually do a matching fundraiser, uh, matching funds. So if they donate between now and February 29th, anything that is donated gets matched on air uh, with Bobby Gunther Walsh at uh, WAEB, and then we actually, he bowls on, and you can form a team and bowl with him um, at Jordan Lane's on the 14th of mm. uh, February. Awesome. So we, we start taking the calls beginning March 5th on WAEB, we do the matching funds, and then the bowling actual event is on the 14th, and it's great. We do it at Jordan Lane's. They are so good to us, and we are able to set up, we do bake sale and raffles, and it's a lot of fun. You can do teams, kids, we, we encourage, you know, corporations and, and businesses to create a team together and do like a, a an employee day you know and, and a bonding and it's a lot of fun um, and it's a great event so you can get more information on our website which is healthyanimalcenter.org or on our facebook which is cahw1 and you can get signed up for your league make a donation like i said this is the one and only time that we do matching funds Right, and and definitely follow the Facebook page because you promote all your events there. Yeah. The bingo, which I mentioned, mm-hmm. um, that's in Catasauqua. Yeah, we do that twice a year. It's that is a good time. It is a good time. I've heard. I gotta bingo. get to um, I, I get I get mixed reviews. I get people love it, people hate it. I am a crazy bingo She's lady. She's I love bingo. I live for bingo. But we we give away coach purses. For the most part, a little bit of money, mostly coach purses, and people go it. We sell out just about every time. It's a lot of fun. We're, we're going to be having one coming up soon. We don't have a date yet for it, but um, we, we like to do lots of fun, different things. But I love the bingo. The bingo's my favorite. Right. And then also the, the, the gala mm-hmm. in November, which I went to two years year, ago. Two years ago, yeah. yes, which is awesome and it's the only time you ever see me dressed Dress up, up. <laughs> yeah super handsome yep dressed to the canines actually we have a date for ne- for this year it's going to be december it's going to be the first friday in december this year awesome. um just because of the way that the holidays fell we're going to do it on december 4th which is a friday so it's a great event it's our, our time that we can get dressed up and act like adults and we have it at the steel club which is phenomenal mm-hmm. um i have to give a shout out to them because they really for what we get and what they charge us to do it, I mean, they go above and beyond. Um, they actually donate uh, a portion of the food just to make sure that we can, you know, actually raise money for it. And it's gorgeous and beautiful. And it's right here in Hellertown. It's right here in so Hellertown. super convenient. Yeah, it's super convenient. And it's, it's really just a beautiful place. And so it's a great event. We have, uh, you know... Uh, comedians that come out we have a dj that plays we have wonderful auction items you know this year we raised after expenses we raised about sixteen thousand dollars so great yeah yeah and it's a fun time we get to get all dressed up jessica remind us again how we can you know connect with the furry tale online the website the website instagram yes uh we definitely have facebook pages for both a furry tale hellertown is just a furry tale come true Furry Tale Nazareth is a Furry Tale Come True 2, as in also T-O-O. Um, the website is afurrytale.com. Dog training, aftdogtraining.com. I try to do Instagram. I try so hard. I think it's because I'm, I'm just getting up there in age, and just that's like the young, cool 
platform. You're younger than me. Uh, only a little, buddy. I'm right behind <laughs> I'm you. I'm doing it. Well, I'm older than But Facebook. no, I do. I die. <laughs> but then I forget about it weeks on end. Whereas Facebook, we're like constantly posting on Facebook. But Instagram, I'll forget. I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to be posting Instagram, get more followers. Um, but we're just a furry tale come true, too, on there as well. And a furry tale come true. Well, thank you both for being here. It's been really fun. Thanks for having Thank you very much you for know, having us. To our listeners, please support the center, um, whether it's with your time, your money, going to an event. They do so much uh, behind the scenes to help animals in our community. And um, Always looking for volunteers. I was just going to say. Absolutely. Come play with dogs and cats. We love it. Mm-hmm. Right. If you're an animal lover, and hopefully you are, you know, that might be something that you'll enjoy doing if you, you have a little buy, extra if, time. If you don't have time to, to go in with the animals, we, we need help with fundraising events and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Petco Cats, right? You have a whole We have a great Petco program called on. Friends of Fred Reading Program. If Even if you're not a volunteer, you can bring your children in to read to the dogs and cats. It's the best non-judgmental way for your kid to, to improve their reading skills, and the animals love it. Um, and my kids loved it. We did it. Even, I always ago. tell people if you have a presentation... Give it to the dogs and cats. They're not going <laughs> to judge you. You practice your speech, and right. they love you for it. They look so. at you. They roll their eyes. And, you know, I might yeah. need to do that. Mm-hmm. I have a, a speech I have to yeah. give coming just up. Just come. So. We got mats. I mean, just sit there on your little mat and read okay. to the cats and dogs. But, yeah, it's, it's always open to anybody. You don't have to be a volunteer. Listen to you, Josh, yeah. It's going to be you. about journalism. So. That's all right. They don't mind. <laughs> no. I, I don't even think they understand the English language. <laughs> Well, that's the great so, thing about the kids when they yes. come in because here they're practicing their reading skills and there's no judgment. You mess up a word, I don't know. I have had probably in the past two weeks four or five people tag me in that article that's going around about the shelter that lets the people. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, ah, oh, we do this. Old this news. Is, yeah. Old news. We do this We've been doing this it for a year now. For a year now. <laughs> and but, it's amazing. You should come down and read the kids. Well, I think Sock and Source needs to do a story about that. I love sure. it. Come. Yeah, we'll do that. And, and then we'll tell you more about the background awareness. of the story with Fred. And it's, it's a good one, too. So, yeah, absolutely. Okay, it's a deal. Yeah. All right, thanks again. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thanks. No Rain Date is an original production of Sock and Source, LLC. Our theme music is provided by This Way to the Egress. For more great music by them, be sure to follow This Way to the Egress on Spotify. Thank you for listening. Every night, he climbs the tower, sees your face on every dollar.